listening to the best of IC Robots Radio. First a small bit from Toys R Us Report 103. Iceberg and ISR meet in the cafeteria and talk about last week's daring rescue of engineer Emily. This is the Toys R Us Report and we'll make you famous. Take and go to the earth while still kicking in Uranus. Hey kids, this is me, IC Robots, and to and to set the scene, this is earlier in the day. We have yet to uh, get together for the official recording of the show. I'm just meeting up with Iceberg over in the Snack Shack. That's our that's our cafeteria type area where people up here uh, kind of congregate. We're gonna meet up over there. He's agreed to uh, talk to us for a few minutes before the show starts about what happened uh, during the big lightning strike rescue op. Let's. Let's head on over there and see if, let's see if the dude's over. He he sometimes doesn't show up on time, but I, I got high hopes. I am now in the snack shack, and what do you know? Iceberg's here waiting. He he has a table near the uh, window. Let's let's walk on over there and give him a big bow wow. Iceberg, I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you're on time. Do you mind if, do you mind if I take a seat? Do what you feel, homie. You said to meet you here. I figure that you'll be sitting right. I guess so. I planned on sitting. Let's, uh, let's get started. So, Iceberg, how long have you known Engineer Emily? It seems like you guys go a long while back. For like 100 years or so. Like 100 years? For real? That's a super long time. Me and Emily have been friends for longer than you have been anything. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I sometimes don't think you understand what a robot life is like. Nor could you. Nor would I want to. Now I'm just kidding, man. You're all right. Iceberg, tell me what happened after you beamed over to the Corinthian Army prison ship. Well, I was maybe 20 feet from her cell. Good job there, by the way. I did my best, dude. I don't beam people over. That's not my designation. I scrub vents, dude. Obviously. So... I was 20 feet away and the guards... How many guards? There were four of them. They saw me immediately and bum-rushed me right up the jump street. Okay, so then what did you do? What did I do? I did what you told me to do. I swung my arms around and ran at them. Yo, you went on the attack? What happened? What happened? I turned them into Albanian salad. That is what happened. Albanian salad? What's that? It is an earth dish. It is made with cucumbers and tomatoes. I saw it once when I was out with my main man J5. That is what they looked like after I struck them. Yikes, dude. That is super gross. So then, so after you turned them all into Albanian salad, you you got into her cell and then, then I beamed you over back to uh, the Callisto flyer. What is that? That's our ship, dude. The ship we escaped on. Is that what you are calling that piece of trash? Is that some kind of Star Wars thing or is that from Star Trek? I don't know, dude. Why are you making fun? I bet it is Star Trek. I don't know, maybe. Just just continue the story. You made it back to the Callisto Flyer. So we made it back to your garbage barge and we made it back to here. Got it. You made it back. So what, what did they look like? What did they look like? They had armor on. Okay, they were wearing armor. What did the armor look like? What did it look like? 
Am I supposed to reference a movie here or something, man? It was real. I didn't get a lot of time to look at it. Okay, I understand, but what color was it? What did the people look like? It was black and their skin was dark blue. Their guts and such were white. They had white guts? That is so gross. Iceberg, I'm sorry that you had to go through this. I wish none of this ever happened. I know, I know how you feel, man. I, I had to blast that ship. It's hard to, it's hard to have that weight on your soul. And I, I understand. It's not that. I don't care about that. Emily has told me lots about these people. They scare her and she is even braver than me. She's even braver than you? Yes. Much braver. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to be fooling around, but this is, this is hard to, hard to talk about. It's just, you know, she is, she is incredibly brave. I don't think you get it, man. Nothing scares her. Nothing. Not one thing. Except for having to go back to them. She'd rather die. From what she's told me. She'd rather we all die. Than have them find us. And now, what did Gino Vega, rest in peace, have for lunch yesterday from the Get That Back Show, episode 1? Face the evil hook of Trap Jaw. Trap Jaw, Battle Cat, and He-Man each sold separately, straight not included. That hook won't stop He-Man. Still no contest. And Trap Jaw will use his wicked laser. You win this time, He-Man. Trap Jaw figure from the Masters of the Universe collection. He-Man and Battle Cat figures each sold separately from Mattel. What did Gino Vega have for Yesterday, ISR. It is MSGV. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega calling to inform you what I had for lunch yesterday. Now check it out. Yesterday, Ms. S, my wife, had reason to go to the Santa Rosa area. And she stopped and picked up food from a Filipino restaurant there. I'm not sure of the name. It's out, I think, in the Larkfield area of Santa Rosa. So Filipino food is like my uh, weak spot in the pantheon of Asian foods. I'm not particularly familiar with it, uh, even though my Asian side of the family is often mistaken for being Filipino. I don't really know a lot about the food. I do know I like the food, I just don't have it that frequently. And the other thing is, anytime I have it, it seems like it's because Ms. S stops somewhere to pick it up, so I don't know what any of this stuff is called, I just know it's good. I had those, those lumpia, they're kind of like egg rolls, and then I had some kind of marinated beef thing. Great stuff, hopefully more Filipino food in the future as we return to some semblance of normalcy. Talk to you soon. Up next, at the movies, where I see robots, takes a look at Kung Fu Panda 3 from Toys R Us report number 67. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper, but you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? I am your father. What? I am your father. What's with all the stairs? Uh, who is this guy? And why is he breathing like that? <gasps> it's creepy. 
I absolutely loved Kung Fu Panda Part 3. I thought that it was great. I also enjoyed the other two. I thought that they were super fun. And this one, this one is just as cool as any of the other ones. When I go to the movies, I want to see stories of heroes. That is a time-honored tradition in our culture. Stories of heroes. And it's something that I like to keep going. I think that it's good to see these things because... Well, because it reminds us that we have to be heroic in day-to-day life. It shows us how we can also be heroes like the dudes in the movies that we're watching. I'm not saying that situations come up all the time, but when they do come up, you want to be sure that you're good to go, and it's nice to have something like Kung Fu Panda as a reminder of how you should act. Uh, my voice is a bit weird. I feel like my cold is coming back, which is no fun. I've been coughing. I hate coughing. I hate the way when you cough, it jars your head. It's like you cough after a while and then you also get a headache. So it's like coughing is just a drag. So please, please forgive the scratchy tone that I feel like I have right now. Um, Kung Fu Panda Part 3 is the story of Poe the Panda, obviously. And what happens in this one is a being from the spirit world captures the chi of many of the Kung Fu masters from around the world. And he uses that chi to escape the spirit world and make it back to our physical world. And while he is on our world, he needs to gather more chi and more chi and more chi to become more powerful than anybody has ever been before. And who's uh who's there to stop him? Our brave Kung Fu Panda boy, Poe. There is also a secondary plot in the movie about finding yourself, about, about knowing who you are and learning to be who you are, the best you that you can be. And this uh, is partially illustrated by Poe, who, as we know, if you've seen these before, Poe's a panda, but he's adopted by a goose. He was adopted and raised by a goose, and in the movie, his uh, panda father comes searching for him and takes him back to Panda Land to teach him how to be a panda. Um, as a father, this really hit hard. I really have strong feelings about Poe's goose father. I believe that your father is the person who raises you and who pays the bills. Your father is the one who does work and does things to support you. It might not be the same person who made you, but the one who takes care of you is your father. And I felt like, I felt bad for the goose father. Now, in the end, things do work out well. Poe, um, they learn that Poe is strongest when he has the support of both of his fathers. But there's a period of time where you're like, I don't know, I had some sympathy seeing this strong, brave goose who had worked, he had just worked so hard to take care of Poe, and to see him feel like he was gonna lose Poe, it was a bit heartbreaking to me. It really, uh, it really got me right in the chest. I just really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was fantastic. I left the theater feeling uplifted. It was really just, just a great time spent. Don't you enjoy it when you go to the movies, and you leave, and you just feel, you feel just high, you feel up. You're excited. I was so happy. We were talking about this movie for days afterwards. It was just so much fun. I recommend that you take your family to this. And if you're not even the family dude, go see it because it's just fun. There is uh, a lot of good voice acting. Of course, Jack Black is in it. Brian Cranston is in it. Seth Rogen. Angelina Jolie. And the list goes on and on and on. I cannot... I cannot recommend Kung Fu Panda 3 enough. On the source scale... I'm gonna have to go, it's like it's just under four mics, if there was like three and three quarter mics, I would give it that, but um, I'm gonna go ahead and give it four mics, because I really thought it was a fantastic family film, ISR recommended.
As we continue on, I see robots talks about two lost places from the days of yore. This is off this boring life. Lost places from May of 2017. Let's, uh, let's dig into this. Let's get started. Let's get cooking. Let's put the pot on the pan and turn up the heat. This is the first one here. I got a commercial for this place. On an old tape of mine, I found this. And, uh, let's, um, let's start that and, you know, get going with the shoot. There's a little bit of the artist in all of us. And all of the scrumptious variety at North's Chuck Wagon allows you to really express yourself. Chuckwagon, a terrific meal, beverage, and dessert for one incredible price. Come to North's Chuckwagon and create a classic. My family used to go to JJ North's Chuckwagon like all the time. It was seemingly every week or every other week. JJ North's was it was a chain of buffet restaurants. It was a very typical, very family-style buffet. It was the kind of gimmick where you would grab a tray. You know, you have a tray, and you put the plate that you want on the tray, and then you get, like, a smaller plate for your salad, and then you would grab your knife, your fork, your napkin, put them on the other side, and start going going down down the row. You know, you'd slide your tray across, like, this, uh, you know, this metal kind of deal. And the first stop that you would go to would be the salad bar. And I... I love a salad bar, like an old school salad bar, like the one they have down at the at the round table pizza. I always think to myself, salad bar is fun, right? They have the pizza and then they also have the salad bar over at round table. And why don't you ever just like dip into a place to eat at the salad bar? I've never done that. I don't know if anybody ever does, but I think it's like $6.99 for unlimited salad. You could have like two or three plates of you know, lettuce and such, and you'll be pretty full. And also, you'll be doing yourself a favor. You know, you'll uh, be getting the necessary fiber to keep everything moving. But at any rate, um, over at the at the chuck wagon, you would start with, you know, with the salad bar, of course, and you had your lettuce, like your big bowl of lettuce, and then they would have, like, you know, a smaller bowl of, like, the other kind of more fancy lettuce or, like, spinach or whatever, and you grab whatever you want of that, and you push it down, and they have, like, round, you know, cylindrical containers with different sort of salad toppings, cucumbers, mushrooms, olives, all sorts of tomatoes, just anything you can think of that would go on a typical American-style salad. And then then you get toward the end of the, the salad area, they would have, you know, smaller containers with, like, raisins or, like, little like pine nuts or uh, cheese. They always had cheese at the end. You know, you put, like, a small dab of cheese on top of your salad and... Bacon bits. I, I'm in love with bacon bits. I would always end up putting like two or three spoonfuls of bacon bits on there. And then after you go past the salad, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to like envision it right now. I'm pretending that I'm, I'm pushing a cart along. And I believe after that, you hit the, the sort of like, what is it called? Potato salad and macaroni salad and ambrosia salad. And like the various like tuna salads and stuff that you might put on the side of your of your uh, salad plate and then that kind of ends the salad area and you move into the like the side dishes there's you know like french fries and 
tater tots, mashed potatoes, with gravy, peas, corn, all sorts of that kind of sort of cold slaw, ordinary, ordinary kind of side dishes you would get, like frozen vegetable type stuff. And, you know, yeah, this is when you get like your fries and your tater tots. And then as you scooch past there, you move into the, like the entree area. And we tended to go on Friday, which was like fried fish night. They would have like fish planks and, you know, the small fried shrimps that you, you know, you eat by the handful. And as well as other things, you know, fried chicken was, of course, a staple. Um, macaroni and cheese with, like, crumble crust on top. And Salisbury steaks. All sorts of, all sorts of stuff of that sort. And then after you move past that, you get into, they have, like, a, a sliced beet area where the dude can like break you off like a like a slice of ham or like a slice of beef and you'd be like uh let me get that extra thin or let me get that thick and he would kind of kind of go through it it was like you know like a 15 year old kid but he would be like slicing of the meat and he would get um you know like a nice moist piece of beef slapped on top of your uh your fried shrimp and (laughs) french fries and that was always nice to get the beef juice and then once you go past there you know you were you're pretty much done with the warm food portion, and then they would have, like, a drink bar. This was one of the first places I was ever exposed to where you could pour your own soft drinks. You'd get, like, a like a plastic tumbler. They had red plastic tumblers, like a, like a Pizza Hut. And you would, you know, first you'd get your ice, and being, like, a typical youth of that day, you would make yourself, like, a suicide, where you would, uh, like, put every single soda together, like, pss, 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 all the way through, and it, you know what? It was all just sweet anyway, so no matter what you did, it still tasted all right, and it was still fun, and at that point, you were, you know, you're ready to go. You're ready to, like, eat. I'm just, I'm thinking about the the area where the, the glasses came out of, the tumblers. It just kind of, it kind of popped into my head. The tumblers were in, you know, these big plastic cases, the kind where, you know, they load them in for the dishwasher, like dishwasher, uh you know, shelves and whatever. So they would be the main one on the top, but then underneath there would be like three or four or five things of, you know, already cleaned glasses ready to go. And it'd be kind of spring loaded. So when you would get your, your tumbler out, the thing would kind of bounce up and down a little bit. That was always fun. You'd like give it a shove and it would bounce down and then kind of come up and bounce down and kind of come up. But that was, that just popped into my head. I can really, I can see it now. The whole like, the countertop was, you know, like, chromed, like, chromed out, and they had all the cool sodas, and that was just a fun mixing soda at the time, because you didn't get to do that. It wasn't like nowadays, where everywhere you go, you have one of those, like, Coca-Cola freestyle machines, and you have to, you have to make your own drink. It was sort of a privilege at the time to, like, actually get to touch the machine, and also, you didn't get, like, free refills anywhere like you do nowadays everywhere. So just, like, having the opportunity to go back again and again and again to get more sodas was, that was like an unheard of, like an unheard of thing for the time. So after you got your drink and you got your food, you'd have to go find the table. And we always came in, like, a pretty large group it would be me, my brother, my mom, my dad, and then this was the time we would meet up with, like, my grandmother and my aunt and my cousin and my uncle and my other cousin. When we would go there, it was always, like, a giant group, and 
they had the one main room where everybody would kind of be and then there was also like a side room where you could like reserve it for like a private like a private buffet party like a kid's birthday party at JJ North's buffet so I don't think that I ever saw that happen but it might have been fun I would imagine they have some sort of a cowboy mascot like JJ North would come out and he would be like in a recycled uh, Yosemite Sam mascot outfit like they would they would remove the mustache so he appeared like a different guy and they'd put like JJ on his hat and he would come to your birthday party. I don't think that's real. I think I think I just made that up. But that room was our normal spot because they had like longer tables and we had we had a giant group. It was also a bit more private. It seemed as if you were really like off away from everybody else and it was kind of a like a further slog to get back to to the buffet, but that was where that was where we frequently wound up. Um, it was just like a real family, a family style restaurant. You know, one of those places where families would go because everything was affordable. It wasn't like the most expensive deal. I remember thinking it was like eight ninety nine or nine ninety nine, which does you know comes out to be like forty fifty bucks for a family. But at the same time, you can eat like. A ton of food. You can eat enough food so that when you wake up in the next morning, you're not hungry and you don't have to eat breakfast. I don't know if I ever did that. I did. I did gorge myself though. I was, I was a pretty gorgy dude when we would go to the chuck wagon. I would just, I was a shrimp guy though. Small shrimps. I would, I would cover like half my plate with shrimp when we would go. I remember, I was like a real salad connoisseur. I would put my my salad together with just like the most extreme care like the, the right amount of uh bacon bits the right amount of little nuts the right amount of cheese with i don't know why at the time i was like a blue cheese dressing guy i would i would put it all over the top nowadays i kind of i go for ranch i'm pretty basic in that sense i'll i'll dribble a bit of ranch but i will also go for like you know a uh, like an oil and vinegar kind of thing if it's available and it looks good. I was I was really into blue cheese dressing at the time. I don't know what was up with that because when I try it now, the taste is really strong and bitter, and I just I'm not into it. Maybe I'll I'll give it another shot though. We're we're gonna go shopping tonight, I think. So maybe I'll maybe I'll grab a uh, thing of blue cheese here. Well, while, while I'm on the topic of salad dressing, because I don't I don't know how many times I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to this. Do you remember those packets of salad dressing? I think they still sell them. They were like a packet of ranch and you would mix it with water and like, uh, you know, swirl it around and mix it all together. And you would be be left with like this thing of ranch dressing. What was the name of the company that made those? We're going to, we're going to go online really quick and we are, are going to see who made the packet of ranch. I... I wonder why I'm thinking of this at all. Ranch dressing mix. Packet of ranch dressing mix was... It was produced by Hidden Valley Ranch. Wonderful place, Hidden Valley. Just what you'd expect for the home of Hidden Valley Ranch salad dressing. Folks here are proud of our original ranch recipe. The secrets in the special blend of herbs and spices. And everyone loves that creamy homemade taste. So the lady in this commercial would be outdoors at her at her beautiful ranch in the Hidden Valley. She would have like a big picnic table and it was set up with, we know, a tablecloth. It was beautiful, like a red, red checkered, you know, tablecloth. And she would have the Hidden Valley Ranch packet she would pour it in and 
mix it up in the bowl and, you know, toss this gorgeous salad with all these beautiful, you know, tomatoes and onions and whatever, whatever else she had in it. And then as, you know, she, she combined it together with the ranch, everybody would converge together and just, you know, eat this delightful salad in ecstasy. I always wanted to recreate that at my house. I was a mark for doing that. I wanted to, I wanted to recreate commercials a lot of the times. I would like to see if what was going on in there was something that I could also do in real life. So week in and week out, when we would go shopping at Lucky's, I would beg for the Hidden Valley Ranch packet, and my mom, knowing it was silly, wouldn't go for it. But then finally one week, she relented, and I I made a salad. I remember putting potatoes in it, sliced potatoes. I just grabbed any vegetable I could find, and I put it together, and I made a salad. And then I, I brought out the Hidden Valley Ranch, and I put it in the bowl in the water, and I mixed it up, and I... I I waited till dinner time and I brought it out and I expected that everybody was going to just grab a hold of this and together they would, you know, see the power of the Hidden Valley Ranch, but they weren't so much salad people. Uh, That's why we didn't have salad regularly at dinner. They just didn't go for it. And I think that, I think that they preferred Thousand Island is what I recall my dad being into. I wonder, I wonder if the Hidden Valley was in the Thousand Islands. That might make sense, but I don't think that that was the case. I don't even, I don't even remember where I was as far as J.J. North's chuck wagon. I think that maybe I was talking about gorging my shell, myself on, on Teeny Tiny Shrimp. I would gorge myself on those shrimp. I wish, I wish we had like a shrimp buffet now with those just really low quality fried shrimp. I can eat those all day. I wish when I went to the movies, I could order a big bag of uh, popcorn shrimp and I would just eat those with cocktail sauce. You have to have your cocktail sauce. I'm... I'm overjoyed even thinking of it. And they had, you know, fish planks on fish night. And I would slop a couple of those on top of there too with uh, like giant dollops of tartar sauce. They had like, you know, an ice cream scooper, like a small, like a melon baller. (laughs) I would, you know, scoop little melon balls of tartar sauce. And then once you would get through all of, you know, your food, I would go through twice. I'd usually get like two salads. I liked making the salad and I would do that a couple times. And then once you were done with that I would well anybody would not just me I'm not saying I came up with this idea because I definitely didn't you would go and you would get yourself dessert they had a self-serve soft serve bar with the you know the soft soft kind of ice cream was great and they had all sorts of toppings just anything that the heart could want you know sprinkles M&M's Reese's Pieces gummy bears and also the toppings there was like chocolate topping and strawberry topping and caramel topping and they even had they even had a peanut butter topping which I had not seen at that time but even to this day I love nothing more than like a peanut butter Reese's peanut butter topping on my ice cream I am I am a peanut butter maniac I love peanut butter so much I eat it by the spoonful just when I need you know just like a little emotional pick-me-up I'll have a uh, spoonful of peanut butter you can't beat it peanut butter is the best They also had, like, cakes. Cakes and pies. There was a separate station with all sorts of pies. The typical cherry pie, apple pie, pecan pie, anything of that sort. Chocolate cakes, white cakes, brownies. What a lot of people were inclined to do is, like, get a piece of cake or get a brownie and then take it over to the the ice cream bar and, you know, combine it together for a bit of a pie a la mode or a brownie a la mode. I, myself... I don't go for that much. I do enjoy eating apple pie or cherry pie with ice cream, but I kind of prefer the ice cream on the side. I don't, 
I don't know, it's kind of hard to get it off the top when you're, when you're pushing into the ice cream. Now this goes just kind of for like home ice cream. It's kind of hard to push through the scoop into the ice cream. So I think that it goes better on the side. And as it kind of starts to melt, the the creamy ice cream and the pie filling go together so well. Just a, just a true treat. I, I miss this place so much. There is a Starbucks there now, believe it or not. How, how typical is Starbucks and a mattress place and also... A, a small bank across the way. The lot has been split up into a bunch of things. And whenever we go by there, I, I think back to the, the chuck wagon. And my wife, the old wife does as well. Her family came from, they lived on the other side of town. And they would come all the way for the chuck wagon. It was a fun place at a fun price. And I miss it. I miss it a lot. The last time... I remember going there. I was hanging out at this apartment complex. I was a bit older. I'm thinking maybe maybe in my late teens. And I was hanging out with this guy, Mike, and his brother, Chris, who I... I don't see Chris anymore. We were good friends for a while in high school. But I believe he doesn't live in Santa Rosa anymore. But he may. We haven't seen each other in a while. And Mike, Mike passed away a few years after that. So I haven't... <laughs> I haven't seen him either. I, I miss that guy, Mike. He was a really, really good guy with a really kind heart. And we spent a lot of time over at his apartment hanging out. He was one of the few dudes I knew who had his own apartment. His brother was like the maintenance guy for the complex. And in doing that, he got a free apartment and he let Mike move out. Mike was a bit younger than us. He was still in school, but he was a really, really great guy. And one day we were hanging out over at the apartment, me, him his brother, and like another guy, and we got a phone call. He got a phone call from a girl that he knew who worked at the chuck wagon, and she was like, the the manager's out. If you guys want to come down, I'll let you in. So we went down, and she let us in, and we just ate so much, and it was such a nice time. I hadn't been there. My family quit going there for for whatever reason, as people do, and... I hadn't been in many, many years, but I would still go by it. I would see it and think how it might be fun to go, but I just never did. And then when she called, it gave us the opportunity, and I can still recall my last visit just so, so clearly. Like, all of us just sitting there in the booth and eating just so much food and drinking so many sodas and laughing and having a good time. And it wasn't... It wasn't so long after that that they shut down. As I understand it, the entire chain shut down. They were like a chain that also had uh, people getting like affiliate stores. Or what do you call that when you when you buy into a chain? I, I can't recall, but people would buy into it and they would open their own. And there are, as I understand it, a couple like independently owned ones that are still out there. But the, the bigger chain, Norths, no longer has buffets. And that's that's a bit sad, but time marches on for all of us let's uh let's let's dig back into the vhs vault and see what we can find about the about the next place that i'm gonna lament the closing of
That sound that you heard right there was the sound that you would hear before the start of every movie at the United Artists Cinema during my time there as an usher and as a as a member of the Broomtang clan now. At one time, we had three United Artists Cinemas in Santa Rosa and one in Ronard Park, which is the next town over if you're heading out towards San Francisco. And they are they are all gone the way of the ghost, but two of them are still, the buildings are still there. United Artists, okay, here's our, here is the rundown. We had United Artists Cinema 6. That is where me and Gino Vega worked as the Broomtang Clan. Then there was United Artists Cinema 5, which is where the old wife worked. And then there was Empire, which was over in Ronard Park, where nobody I knew worked. And then the other one was Cottingtown Cinema. And Cottingtown Cinema is the one that we are going to talk about today because while they are all gone, if I want to, I could still go to the sites. UA6 is currently the $3 theater and I go there all the time. UA5 is now a church and if I so, if I so chose, I could attend a service there and I could go inside of UA5 and get that feeling all over again. And Empire... I believe is a uh, veterinary office now. I think that it's like a big vet hospital. And if I wanted to, I can still go there and I can see the facade facade of Empire. I see it all the time when we're when we're driving away. But the Cottingtown Cinema is it is sort of still there in a way, but it is not the same. Let, let me explain. It is over in the Cottingtown Mall. We have two malls in town. We have the Santa Rosa Plaza, which is downtown, and the Cottingtown Mall is over on on the other side of town. The Cottingtown Mall is named for this local industrialist, U Cotting, and the mall is famous for this big spinning sign that says Cotting. And it's been it's been controversial over the years because it points the the city council wants to make it so that the sign can't spin, and then U Cotting will always sue, and he wins. And then the sign starts to spin again. This has been going on since, like, my whole time here in San Rosa. I believe right now the sign is spinning. I think presently it's spinning, but up until the recent past, it was it was not spinning. Anyway, the, the Cottingtown Cinema is over in the Cottingtown Mall, or rather, it was next to the Cottingtown Mall. It wasn't, it wasn't connected, and the building now houses a Joanne's Fabric, a giant Joanne Fabric warehouse. As I understand it, and if I remember correctly, they they took the building down and put it back up. And it's not it's not the same anymore. And I realize that I'm never I'm never gonna be able to get that feeling of going there again. The way that the United Artist hierarchy of theaters worked was that Ronard Park was Empire, and that was its own thing. So they were just off doing their own deal, and UA5 tended to get the more mainstream movies, your Men in Blacks, your things of that sort, the big last action hero type movies, and UA6, where me and Gino worked, they got the sort of arty kind of movies. We would get like Rob Roy and The Secret of Rowan Inish, uh... Things like that. We were the more arty-farty theater, which was cool because back in the 90s, the, like, Miramax art movies and things of that sort, they were really booming. So our theater was, 
it was really, uh, you know, it was really big and it was really doing good. And UA5 was really big and doing good as well. While Cottingtown Theater was, it was kind of the black sheep of the UA family. They would get the, they would get like the third rate movies. The ones that no one expected to do good. But still, they had like, they had like a special charm. The, the Cottingtown Mall was also, it was a bit way from the other, other theaters. UA5 and UA6 were within like two or three blocks of each other. And the managers there were like always in constant communication. Whereas Cottingtown was far enough away that it didn't get caught up in that, you know, manager visit grind. And they were able to, they were able to do their own thing a bit more, which, which kind of fit in with the off the wall sort of movies they were getting at the time. They were also the oldest of the buildings, as I recall. This is just, this is me being, you know, presumptuous because even if it wasn't the oldest, it appeared to be the oldest. It was a bit run down, a bit tattered, but it gave it this, like, this real interesting demeanor. The The lobby of Cottontown Cinemas had a fountain in it, which I've always, always thought was interesting and unique. And it had a, it had like a double snack bar gimmick that I hadn't seen before. Like, as you come in, there was the main snack bar, and then they had the fountain, and the fountain was long and thin, and it would go over into the other side of the theater where they had a second snack bar. The second snack bar usually wasn't open, but it was interesting that they had it over there. You know, they had it at all, because usually theaters, they have just the one. This would have had two. I only ever saw it open a few times, a few a few very rare instances. I remember being over there one time and they they're playing this movie called The Show. It was a it was a hip hop concert movie and I went to see it and the the opening day showings of this for whatever reason were were gigantic. We we went to see it like at seven in the in the evening, let's say, like the main event. The main event showing and there were like a zillion billion other people too. It was completely unexpected to me. I thought that maybe like maybe a few hip hop heads might show up to see it, but this was like a jam packed thing and I was watching the the manager who at the time was this guy Sonny that I was friends with. He was like in a in a panic going, Open open side two, open side two and he sent like a rush crew over there to like hastily uh open up the the second snack bar to, you know, serve serve the extra people that were all showing up to see the show. That was a fun time. The show was a good movie. I, I remember seeing people even like letting dudes in through the side door, which wasn't something you see a lot in Santa Rosa. People might like skip from theater to theater, but you don't see a lot of people holding the back door, letting people in that way. It's not, not a common problem we have. I don't, I don't know if I ever saw anybody doing that the entire time I worked over at UA6. I must have, must have sometime, but it wasn't enough that it even like sticks in my memory. So Cottingtown Cinemas, man, I miss that place. I miss that place so much. It had a, a real unique vibe. I was doing a bit of research and the theater was actually opened up like back in the 40s as a big one screen theater. It had like a 800 seat arena, but then over time they expanded to to have four screens. And as I understand it, they they split the main auditorium into three separate auditoriums. And then at another time they added... They added a fourth to make it, you know, Cottingtown Cinema 4. I really, I enjoyed having it around because I want, I want variety. I want there to be more screens. The more screens that there are, 
the more movies that they can play. It's not that they're ever playing every movie that came out that week. If you go on like Rotten Tomatoes, you'll see there is like 20, 25, sometimes 30 movies coming out each week. And the more screens you have, the more the more movies you can see. And when, when Cottingtown went down, that was, you know, that was four less movies that you got to see. Cottingtown was... It was always under the threat of being closed because they got they got the movies that UA5 and UA6 didn't want. They got the also ran movies, which was which was sometimes the cool movies, not always, but a lot of times, you know, it was the cool movies and they were always under the threat of closure because they just weren't selling enough tickets and it was expected that the UA United Artists was going to they were going to shut it down, but at one time, they got they got like a smash. They got a movie that killed it and was able to keep them open for a while. The movie, the movie that I speak of, is a movie known as Pulp Fiction. I remember working in the theater game at the time, and the movie Pulp Fiction was a gigantic surprise. It probably should have been at UA six because it was like a Miramax arty movie, but for, for whatever reason, the people who decided on the movies. Sent it off to the to the third run, Cottingtown Cinema, and the movie just did gigantic business. And not only did it do gigantic business, it did gigantic business for a long time. It was it kind of picked up slowly, but the word of mouth, word of mouth started, and people started going, and there were sellouts. Like a couple months after the movie came out, and the sellouts continued, and they continued, and they continued. I recall they expanded it, and they had it like two two screens at once and they were both selling out. People were seeing the movie like two, three, four times. It was, it was a real sensation and it was big enough that it kept Cottingtown Cinema rolling for a long time after that. Of my two big memories of Cottingtown, I think that, well, I'll start with the one that is my second favorite and then I'll move on to the one that is my favorite. They had a special employees only showing of the movie... I don't know why they thought that this was the movie that they should get everybody together for, but what they would do is they would get a movie every once in a while and they would open it the day before it came out and they would do it, you know, for employees only. And they kind of, they kind of rotated around from the different movie theaters. Sometimes it'd be at UA5, other times UA6, but this one, this one was at Cottingtown and they, they were really right about people wanting to see this because it was jam-packed. It was in the big arena at Cottingtown. And when they would do the event, one of the managers, either Marsha or Marianne, would go up to the front and they would they would do like an intro. First, they would give like a like a real generous thanks to all the employees and all, all the hard work that we do. And then they would give like a little brief intro to the movie. They would kind of break it down like and today we got a special presentation for you a movie movie we all know you're dying to see they would really ham it up like they were they were you know bruce buffer or michael buffer even better out there and they would really ham it up and like and today the movie is going to be and just as they got to that moment gino vega screamed out Clan! gino vega may he rest in peace and the place blew up dudes were just like hanging from the rafters swinging around people were throwing buckets of popcorn it was it was pandemonium running wild all thanks to all thanks to a broom king clan member representing and screaming it right at right at the pinnacle pinnacle of her 
of her speech, it was it was terrific. I don't even think dudes knew what the Broom King clan was. It's only like a UA6 thing, but still, it was fantastic. The crowd was the crowd was going wild, and then Marsha or Marianne or whoever it was said Mortal Kombat, and they started the movie, and the movie starts off, and people are still just throwing popcorn, swinging Twizzlers around. It was, it was terrific. You know, this should have been the best of the Cottingtown memories. So I'm going to, I'll, I'll sum up the other one. I got to go sit on the roof one time with the manager, uh, Sonny, and my friend Tim. We sat up there, looked over the side, looked at the stars, and we had a nice, nice chill time. That's not a that's a good memory. It's definitely good, but it's not as good as the time Gino Vega represented the Broomtang clan during the big showing of Mortal Kombat. No, I got these backwards. So enjoy that. Have a good time. We're going to we're gonna stop talking about gonna stop talking about Cottingtown. It's not gonna get it's not gonna get any any better than that. But I do I do regret not going to Cottingtown more when it was here, so that my memories of the place were we're a bit better. I just I stuck to I stuck to my area. I stuck to UA six. I stuck to UA five, and I have I have deep deep regrets in that regard. So let me let me dig into the VHS vault, and we'll think about uh, another place that is now long gone. This episode this episode is just sadness and sorrow, and I apologize. But hopefully, hopefully, you're getting a kick out of hearing about some of these places and getting a kick out of hearing me be sad. I see robots is right. It's hard to think about places that you've lost, but at least you have the memories. Let's close out this very special look back with segment from the short-lived I see robots show. This is the closing bit from episode number two from 2019. Let's move into the final seg. Sorry, this is boring. You've done the impossible and made it to the final segment of the show. This is the part where I See Robots talks about stuff you bought, saw, or was thinking about. It's pretty random. I think that uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the end of the Walking Dead comic book. Man, that uh, that came out of nowhere. I have um, been reading and enjoying the Walking Dead for, I don't know, it has been a long, long, long time now. I... I got into the book monthly after the first uh, trade came out. So that's like issue six, and it's going to end on uh, 194. I I don't know. I uh, This is coming out of nowhere to me because um, in the... In the letter pages, the 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 book has a real vibrant letter page. They they have kind of said the it's going to keep going on forever, and that eventually, you know, all the characters will die, and we'll see new characters come, and we'll be we'll be following this forever. But um, I I guess that they may have been trying to deceive you in a way, so that when the end comes, you'll be caught by surprise. When I say, when I say deceive, I don't mean, like, they're trying to trick you. Well, I guess that's what it means, but I don't, like, I don't mean it, like, in a mean-spirited way. I guess what I've heard Kirkman say is that he, he had an idea for the end, and he had reached the end, but he didn't want people to know this was the end, so he had, he had, like, he kind of talked it up to where you would be, like, caught off guard. When it happened, and I, I am caught off guard, man. This is the comic I have been reading for the longest. There have been books I read for a while. I go in and out, in and out. But I have been with this for so, so long that I, 
I don't know, man. This is like a, a real loss to my life. The comic's not always been great. It usually has been really, really good. It's a lot better than the uh, the program, the TV program. That is a that's for sure. But I I don't know when I get my when I get my comics every month. I, I put them like in the order of um, importance. You know, like which ones I, I look forward to the most, and the one that's always at the bottom. The bottom being the one that I'm looking forward to the most. I kind of like try to delay gratification. The one that is always at the bottom is the Walking Dead. I read it last because I I like it so much. I I use it like um like a bit of a pick me up. You know, if I'm if I'm down, if I'm having a hard day, or or if I've had, like, a really good day, like, if I've done something and I want to reward myself, I'll read The Walking Dead. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to go on without that one. It, um, it almost makes me want to, like, get rid of all my comics altogether because I do like to support the comic industry. I don't want to see it die or get hurt or anything, but this is, like, the only one that I, that I absolutely really, really, really need. I don't know what I'm going to be able to replace it with. It's been, like, a part of my life for such a long time. It's, a uh, it's a tough nut to crack, dude. I I don't know. Do you guys read The Walking Dead? I, I think that a lot of you probably do. I As far as I know, it's like the uh, number one most popular comic. When I used to um go to comics for the win, I'd, I would talk to my man Chris, and he said that Saga, Saga was like far and away number one, but Walking Dead was like a real, real tight second. So I don't know, man. It's, um, it's rough. I've enjoyed this over the years. It's had a lot of ups. A lot of downs, a lot of real upsetting moments, a lot of real happy moments. I'm going to miss Rick. I'm going to miss Carl. I'm going to miss all these guys. I'm going to miss Jesus. I'm going to miss Negan. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. I have never read a comic with like such a long, such a winding storyline. I got to give it up to Kirkman and Adlard. They, they have done something that they should absolutely be proud of. Sure, I would like to have seen it go on forever and ever and ever. I would keep reading it as long as there were comic books. I'm invested, you know, I'm into it. But uh, if if they feel like they've reached the end, you know, I, 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 I respect that. So I guess I got to do it. I don't want to do it. But the Walking Dead comic, they reminisce over you. That really is, uh, that's a bummer, man. I, I, I don't know. Let's, uh, we're gonna have to take it up a notch. You know, we're gonna have to, like, really raise the roof right now. And the only way that I could think to do that is, of course, Summer of Fitness. Hit it! It's the Summer of Fitness, your time to shine. Let's go outside and exercise. We will walk and we will ride a bike. It's the Summer of Fitness. Alrighty, tidy whitey, it is the Summer of Fitness. That, of course, is our program in which we are going to use the long summer days. We're going to use the hot summer sun to get ourselves into shape. Some of us were already in shape, not me. Other guys out there are already in shape. Some of us, not so much. But we're going to do what we can to try to improve that fitness level. It's good for you, man. A fit body goes together with a fit mind. We all need a fit mind to make it through. Make it through the day. What we are looking to achieve here is non-weight loss goals. Sure, we might lose some weight, but that's that's neither here nor there. What we want to do is we want to just get moving. We want to get out there, get hanging and clanging. Do whatever it is you like to do to get a bit of exercise. I, myself, I like to ride a bike. I try to get out there like three times a week. Lately, I've been doing four, but I added. I added something else to the uh, fitness regime. I've been going over to the school to 
three times a week, and I've been hooping it up, dude. I've been trying to get back into a get back into basketball shape. Now, sometimes I just go over there with the wife, and we do a we do a shoot around. You know, we practice our jumpers, we chase rebounds and stuff. You know, I'll shoot. The rules are, and these are like the common, you know, the common playground rules. You shoot, and you get to keep going until you miss, right? But we we give two misses in a row. You miss two in a row. You got to give the ball to the other one, and the other person rebounds for you while you are shooting. I, I've i never been, like, a great shot. I'm not Steph Curry. I'm not uh, Michael Jordan. I'm not, uh, I'm trying to think of some great three-point shooters, and I'm not like John Havlicek. I don't know. I'm really, I'm really drawing a blank. I'm not Jackie Moon. I'm not any of those guys. I'm just, like, I'm average Maybe a little below average. I, I do have a like a bit of a jumper. I can hit like a like a six seven footer. You know, I don't got like the uh, three point chops or whatever. But I I like to do it. I'm more of an inside player. I like to get in there and bang. That was always my thing. I was like Charles Oakley. I was like one of these guys getting in there, throwing elbows, sticking my butt out to make space, jumping for rebounds, stuff like that. But I. I'm going over there. I've actually gotten to a couple pickup games, believe it or not. There there are dudes that play out there from time to time, and I I asked my way in. The other day I had a game and somebody asked me, and this time I asked my way in. And they, they were like, sure, man. And we, we rotated around. I don't got a lot of stamina. I'm not putting up a great line, but I, you know, I'm out there doing it, and that's what it's about. It's about just, just giving it a shot, just doing it. I've heard from my man Esquilito. Esquilito's already in shape, so he's doing what he can to maintain that, uh, you know, the life of fitness. I've heard from a man, Charles, Charles Potomac. He he tells me he's been going for walks in the mornings, and he's been going for walks at night as well. I think that is amazing. I think that's great. I I want nothing more than for you to keep it up, my dude. Just keep it up every single day, and eventually, man, eventually you'll, uh, you'll be looking like, uh, I don't know, looking like Esquilito, you know? But uh, at any rate, I heard from my dude Gino Vega. He told me he went on a hike and he got uh, he got stuck on a cliff or he got stuck near a cliff and he had to uh, he had to rappel down it or maybe go up it. I I can't recall, of course, you know, Ferg's out there doing the polka stops and stuff. I know, I know we took a break. We took a week break in the summer of fitness, but we are back and it is in full effect and I want all you guys to go up there and hit me up on the tweets, hit me up at Icy Robots, hashtag Summer of Fitness, anything, anything you're doing, I'll give you a shout out on the show, because I want you to keep doing it, dude, I want you to keep it up, I want nothing more than for everybody out there to leave the show a little bit better than when they came in, and the Summer of Fitness, man, it's fun, it's nice, you go out, you, uh, you get moving, really, for me, like, getting exercise is very important as far as, like, keeping my sanity, you know, I I got a lot of anxious energy. I get a lot of nervous energy, and I've, I've discovered that, like, since I've gotten back into the, uh, you know, riding the bike all the time, that the energy is just, like, it's spent in a more productive way than just, like, running around like a like a weirdo trying to uh, do whatever. And I, I like that, you know? I like feeling a bit more chill, a bit more relaxed, and uh, burning off that excess energy is um, one way to do it. What I'll do is, like, there are a few, like, polka gyms around here. There's one at this park called Tanglewood Park. And this one is, like, hotly contested. It is maybe, maybe two and a half, three miles from my house. And I'll ride over there, battle the gym, take it for Team Yellow. Big shout out to my man, Mighty Matt D and Team Yellow. I'll... I'll knock it out for us, and then uh, maybe even later in the day, I'll ride back over. 
with the wife, and she'll add one of her Pokemon as a reinforcement. The deal is, like, there are these gyms you can fight, and everybody represents a different colored team, and you want to take the gym for your team by using your squad of Pokemons to beat up the ones that are in there. I got... I got a pretty good squad. I got a Vaporeon. That's an Eevee uh, evolution that's kind of like water-based. Her name is uh, King Neptune. She is the female king. She's the one who the one who dominates gyms for me. I got a couple of my champs named Brain and Brawn. I got a Hariyama that I like to use. I got a Blaziken that I like to use. This Blaziken knocks things out. I got a, got a Rhydehorn. I don't know. I got all kinds of fun Pokemon. And battling gyms is what really gets me geeked that I... I'll ride the bike over there, and I'll fight that gym, and then there's, like, another gym that's, like, a mile away, and I'll fight that one, and then I'll take a different route back, and maybe there's, like, one gym I can fight on the way. I don't always fight the gym. Sometimes I just go as fast as I can, because I, I want to keep this up. I want to keep up, you know, the day-to-day-to-day. I don't want to miss any days, and some days I don't really feel like doing it, and the best way to do it is just, like, I'll just go as fast as I possibly can. Like, I don't want to do it. I'm just not feeling it, so I'm, like... I'll get it over as fast as I can, so I end up doing, like, this, like, five-mile sprint there, you know, five miles there, five miles back, like, I'll go like a maniac, and I, I can barely make it, I come home dead, so I, I end up being dead the most on the days that I didn't feel like doing it, but come on, hit me up, hashtag Summer of Fitness, it's your time to shine, dudes, do it, I'm here for you, I want to hear it, Summer of Fitness, everybody out there, engineer, nerd, tapes from the crypts, I don't know, everyone, I want everyone down with this. Uh, check this out. I was at the, uh, Target the other day. The Target on Santa Rosa Avenue. This has kind of become the de facto toy spot around here. They've expanded the, um, the department. And they, they got, like, the best, uh, selection of stuff. It's not, like, it's not great or anything. But it's, like, the best, uh, that we have around here. But, um, I was over there. I was, uh, trying to find these, um, Mattel retros. These wrestling retros. They're like, uh, they're like the old Hasbros. There was, um, back in the, uh, back in the day. They're like those, um, four-inch hard plastic WWF guys with not, like, not a ton of articulation, but each one had, like, a weird, like, a weird motion, like, a weird action that they could do. They, they've kind of, like, reissued these, but now they're, they're with Mattel, and they, they've added some new guys to it, and, and whatever, and I, I've been checking for them at the, at the shop. I, I never, um, can find past, uh, Wave 3, which is, like, I think it's, like, the Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens, and, like, Kevin Owens, I think, was Wave 1. I think it's, like, Dean Ambrose, and Goldberg, and... Seth Rollins. I, I'm not sure. These are just the ones that I always check out when I'm, when I'm over there. I'm looking for, like, the Junkyard Dog and the Iron Sheik. These guys have all been put out, but I've never, not, never, not, never checked them out at the, uh, at the toy shop. But I was there, and there was, like, a kid with his mom. Like, uh, I'm gonna say, like, eight or nine or ten years old, maybe. And he was looking at these Marvel Legends. In one hand, he had Captain Marvel in the blue Cree outfit, the movie Captain Marvel. And then the other hand, he had the movie Black Widow from the um, Endgame. And he's looking at both of them. And he's like, Mom, I can't decide which one to get. And I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, I don't know, I'm eavesdropping, you know, because this is interesting to me. He's like, I can't decide. And the mom's like, well, you got to decide. She's getting annoyed. She's been there a while. And she's like, you got to decide, son. I'm going to, I'm going to flip a coin. And, um, whatever one it is, that's the one you gotta take. And I felt like I had to, had to interject. I didn't have to. I wanted to, but I said, I would get Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel has two heads. One with a helmet and one without. That's almost like getting two action figures. And, uh, 
she's like the most powerful one in all of Marvel. And he looks at me and he goes, I'm going to get Captain Marvel. And I go, that's what I would do. But don't sleep on Black Widow. She's really great, too. And I hear she's going to get her own movie. The mom's looking at me like, not like I'm a weirdo, like I'm a nice weirdo. You know what I'm talking about? Like, not like she's thinking this guy's crazy and dangerous. But she's like, this guy's a bit weird. Seems okay, though. And I'm, you know, I just shrugged my shoulders and then I... I went on my way to look at the uh, the wrestling guys. I, I'm back into wrestling guys. I pulled my Hasbros out of the closet. And ever since then, I've been like, I don't know. I, I do like these um, less articulated ones. I'm not like into the elites or anything. But uh, I wanted to share that story really quick. Because I thought it was kind of cool that the kid was checking out for two female action figures. You know, it wasn't like back in the day when you got like your uh, Kenner superpowers. If you got Wonder Woman, you were bummed. You know, but nowadays, this kid's more woke. We are going to do an unboxing. I have something here that I've had for like, I've had for like a week. And I've wanted to bust into it, but I was waiting to do it on the show. I actually got this for Father's Day. But when it was ordered, it was um, just a pre-order. And it's um finally available. It is the NECA Karate Kid All-Valley Karate Championship 2 set with uh, Johnny Lawrence... And Daniel LaRusso. These are 8-inch, like Migos. They're on a Migo scale, and they're in a box. You can pull them out. It's cool. It's a collector-friendly box. You can pull them out and put them back in. Oh, they, um, I might have to cut these out. Hold on. Let me get my Pooptronics brand laser, uh, scissors here to cut these guys out. On one side is Johnny Lawrence in his black gi, his karate, um, his Cobra Kai gi. On the other side is Daniel-san in his Miyagi, Miyagi-Do uniform. What's going to be the safest way to get him out of here? He's tied in, but it doesn't go around to the back. And I do not want to risk doing any uh, damage to his uniform. Let me, uh, let me do this really quick. Let me concentrate on this. I do not want to damage it. Okay, I got him. These were in there pretty tight. They had four bands, two each. I am now... I am now plucking Danny LaRusso off of the card. He is the packaging, rather. He is very nice. He has a white a white gi with the uh, Miyagi-Do logo on it. His head is molded with the headband. He has articulation at the shoulders, the elbows, the wrist, the knees, the ankle, the neck. I, I like him, man. His uh, paint does look a bit chalky, but that's a... Uh, that's okay. I've been waiting for this for a while, man. I I uh, first saw this in an Entertainment Earth catalog. And I was like, oh, I gotta have this. He has the uh, the red sash, too, that he was given at the All-Valley Karate Championship. Now, let me, let me pull Johnny out. Johnny is also a um, terrific figure in his uh, Cobra Kai gi with the patches on the leg. I wonder, yeah, I bet you these are the exact ones he had in the movie. Very, very nice. His uh, very sponsorships and stuff. He has uh, the Cobra Kai gi. Like I said, his headband is molded on. His uh, his face is a bit dopey looking. He's kind of looking up, which is, um, that's weird. But still, he's really terrific. I'm going to have a ton of fun with him fighting some of my other Migos. I, uh... I look forward to doing that. He also comes with the All-Valley Karate Championship Trophy, which is, this is one of the main reasons I wanted this. I wanted this trophy. At some point, I could see 
Daniel Lawrence putting this up in the Migo Fighting Championship against, uh, maybe against Muhammad Ali and his, uh, two belts. I don't know. I, I also think there's more in the, the, uh, packaging. Let me see. There is the mat. The mat in which the characters fought on. And this is in, like, a, uh, plastic bag. Let me, let me get it out. It's only taped shut, so I don't have to... You can hear the tape rip. What a sound effect. Here we go. And I'm going to pull the mat out. I don't want to risk um, rubbing it against here. Hold on. It is, uh, it's cool. It's like 10 by 10, I would say. And it has like a poster. Like a small card of the All Valley Karate Championships. December 19th. Enter now. Standard tournament rules. All officials will be members of the KAJA. Four Seasons or CAD. I know not what what that means, but it's dope. I I like these guys a lot. I'm pretty um I'm pretty satisfied. I like the collector friendly packaging. That means that it's packaging you can open up without having to uh, rip it. You can put your figures, take them out, put them back on a display. Very 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 cool. I do not know where I'm gonna put the um put these guys. My Miko shelves are getting full. Believe it or not, I'm sure. I'm sure you can believe it. Um, yeah, really cool. I like the uniforms. I could see putting Action Jackson in this Cobra Kai gi. I think that might be dope. He could uh, he could train with a crease with Sensei Crease. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's something he would do. He's a pretty he's a pretty moral guy. Um, very nice. I I didn't know they were on pre order when I um when I went to get them. So I was bummed out. I had to wait so long. To get them. Also, I, I ordered them from Toy Wiz. And the wife ordered them from Toy Wiz. And they were not packaged very well at all. And the box came all dinged up. I don't care about that kind of stuff. Not really. But um, if you are the type that does care about having like a pristine package, you might not you might not want to shop at Toy Wiz. They just threw it in the box with like two uh, air bubbles. Not even like around the packaging. Just like in there with these air bubbles. And it bounced all over the place. Not a, not that great. I would have ordered from Entertainment Earth. Everything I've ordered from them has um, arrived very, very well packaged. Uh, what else? Is there anything else to talk about? I don't, I don't really think so. If you guys, if you guys want to help us out, the number one thing you can do is uh, just um, share the episode. Share the Twitter link. Retweet it. Share the Facebook thing. Share it on your Facebook page. Tell your friends. That's like that's like the easy peasy thing you can do that doesn't cost you anything. And plus, your friends might think you're cool for adding something to their life that they did not know about already. They'll be in your debt, dude. They'll be in your debt. They'll owe you one. You know, next time you go out and you get some uh, tacos at Burger King, you can go, hey... My three tacos, they're on you, homie. I told you about the Icy Robots show. You owe me big. Also, you can become a show patron. Go to supportthereport.com. There is um, a new episode of the uh, POS coming next week. That's the uh, patron-only show. That's my baby. It's like, it's me out there on the go. It's more up the uh, seat of my pants, off the cuff. I go to the dig. Go to the dig a lot. I record from there. I record from Scandia. That's our arcade. I um I play some Street Fighter. Record me doing that. I record me shooting baskets at some basketball game. There are a lot of little mixes in there. I like to record stuff off the TV and I put that in there. It's a it's a lot of fun, man. I'll say I have not heard 
a bad word about the uh, POS. I I don't know. It's um it's my baby. You can get down with that over at supportthereport.com for only a dollar a month. As little as a dollar a month. You can definitely, definitely, definitely get more. And now it comes with an RSS feed, so you can put it right into your um your podcast software and listen to it on uh, your phone or whatever you do. You used to have to go to Patreon and listen. Now you can do it. You can do it anywhere. And you get that for as little as a dollar a month. Give a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars. Everybody, everybody gives different amounts. It is great. There will not be a new episode of the ISR show next week. You know, we're going three shows out of four weeks of the month. So next week is the POS over on supportthereport.com. There is a show every week. One of them you got to, uh, got to show a little love. You got to show a little support to get. But it's, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Because I also put up episodes of, um, the IC Robot show. My mixtape show. That's another thing I've, um... I got, like, 37 of them up there already? No. I think I have 37 total. And there's, like, 15 up there now. Those are, like, an hour-long hip-hop mixtape thing I do. Iceberg and Emily are there. That's great. I also got a bunch of episodes of Real Wisdom that are up there. I've been working on a patron-exclusive episode of This Boring Life. I'm almost done. I'm getting there. I'm almost done. I shouldn't have said anything until I was more... More near, I just want you to know that I, I got some fun ideas for the Patreon. So you might want to consider doing that. This um, this boring life, I'm already halfway through. I'm already like halfway. Maybe 40 minutes of the hour. They're generally an hour. I'm like 40 minutes in. It's going to be patron exclusive. It's going to be great. There are some episodes of the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe. I, I've shilled enough, I guess. I'm just kind of, at this point, I'm enjoying hearing my own voice. You ever feel that way? But um, we're going to get up out of here. It's always nice to talk to you guys. I'm really glad to be out of Johnny Jail. I'm really glad to be back doing this. I I like talking to you guys, man. I like talking to everybody out there. You know, my dudes, my dude Gabe, my guy Esquilito, Tapes, like I said, Gino Vega. Just, just everybody out there that listens. Ferg, everybody, you know, my man Lamar the Revenger, Vic Sage. Just everybody who sends support. You know, I... It means a lot to me. I always feel bad once I start naming names like that because somebody's going to get left off. And I don't want to leave anybody off. I don't want to. But I'm doing this by the uh, by the seat of my pants. I don't got notes. Never have notes. I got a note card. I'm lying. I do have a note card in front of me. But all it says is like, Mattel Retros, Captain Marvel, or Black Widow. It doesn't give me like, like heavy, heavy, heavy details. Right now, I'm just trying. I want one more minute. That'll hit an hour. I'll feel good about it. But, um, I gotta, I gotta prattle on. Oh, oh yeah. This is, uh, this is something. When we come back, the week after next, we're gonna have a fun episode. It's gonna be the top five Quentin Tarantino movies of all the times. And we're gonna have a review of his new one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, with, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. That one looks really, really great. There's a poster with uh, Margot Roby on it as um, Sharon Tate. She's wearing like a black sweater and a white skirt. It's amazing. I've been hitting my man up at the theater seeing if he can get me get me one of those. But there's like a few posters I've wanted lately and I've asked him for anyway. So I, I'm i pushing it. I've asked him for the Wonder Woman in, uh, in armor from the new movie. I asked for that. I asked for the Joker poster. I asked for a Detective Pikachu he normally comes through when I uh, when I ask for these. He's um he's a big wig over at the uh, at one of the cinema chains around here, and he he hooks me up. Dude's a nice guy. I hope he's listening. I hope he knows how much I appreciate those um those posters. I uh I put them in a tube. I got a couple tubes. I label the tubes, put them in the tubes, and like ten years from now, 
when people are looking back and they're going, Mad Max Fury Road, that movie's an all-time classic, that's when I'm going to hang up the poster. I got the one where uh, Charlize Theron, Furiosa, is looking out the window. At any rate, let's, uh, let's uh, look forward to that week after next. Top 5 Tarantinos plus Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Going to be a hoot. I don't know. We could probably hit it. I, uh, if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. It's all good in the hood. I'm sorry about that Hollywood stock exchange thing earlier. I thought it would be more exciting. But I go by the, you know, go by the seat of my pants. Sometimes they, uh, sometimes they don't work out. I should have took more notes, but we're going to get up out of here right about now. This is me, IC Robot, signing off for Tommy Salami, Engineer Emily Iceberg, everybody out there. If you don't know, now you know. We only have one rule on this team. What is that rule, Twiggy? E-L-E. That's right, E-L-E. What does E-L-E stand for? Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. Hi. If you've got a second, please drop by supportthereport.com and peruse all of the patron-exclusive content available to those who have the kindness, nay, the courage, to toss in a couple of bucks in support of the greatest podcast in the world, the IC Robot Show. It's well worth the time, and on an ethical tip, it's what Captain America would do. Supportthereport.com